the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about um, a very timely topic because there has just been uh, a Supreme Court decision regarding marijuana. And the decision, in my opinion, means that our rights are going up in smoke. The decision has been a 6-3 to three ruling stating that the federal government can now take control over marijuana even if it is used for medicinal purposes. There are 10 states that allow marijuana to be used with a prescription by a doctor. Uh, and these are California, Alaska, Colorado, Hawaii, Washington, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, Vermont, and Maine. I may repeat those later. <laughs> if you're uh, calling up your travel agent and finding out which one, deciding where you want to move, although actually the decision by the Supreme Court this week may have um, soon the may have or may will be soon making this a moot point. Uh, it's going to depend upon what the states actually do. My guest, uh, soon to be on the show, uh, is Ed Rosenthal. He is a leading expert worldwide as um, the person who knows everything you want to know and then some on marijuana. He's written a, new, a number of books about it and has studied it, uh, how to cultivate it, social policy, etc. So we'll be talking with him later on in the, in the show. Okay, actually, uh, we're going to be talking to him very soon. But um, I do want to read a um, paragraph, a quote, from a, an article that uh, just came out uh, written by Brad Knickerbocker, a staff writer from the Christian Science Monitor, called Fallout of Marijuana Verdict. And um, I think that this is a um, sort of a key thought in this debate. Advocates on both sides of the issue say they do not expect to see U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, agents breaking down the doors and ripping up the plants of medical marijuana users, especially of state and local cops, not obliged to help federal agencies prosecute people following state law, don't take part. Just a tiny fraction of the 750,000 pot busts made each year in the U.S. are by DEA agents. So in other words, um, despite the fact that the federal government uh, has, is clamping down on uh, marijuana, it doesn't mean that the states, state and local law enforcement, especially in the states where um, marijuana is legal for medical purposes, they are not necessarily, the state and local, local law enforcement are not necessarily going to be 
um, actively knocking down doors, finding more people, although I must say that I didn't realize that there were as many as 750,000 pot a year. And now, uh, on that note, let me introduce Ed Rosenthal. Again, he is uh, the leading expert on marijuana. He's called the, the Guru of Ganja and has written many books. We'll talk about some of them. His first one is called The Marijuana Grower's Guide. And um, obviously, he is in the thick, or should we say the thicket, of this issue. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Ed. Hello. Hi, Ed. Yes, I can yes. hardly hear you. You can't hear me? No. Well, hopefully the... Um... Oh, now it's better. Okay, yes. You see, your wish is the board ops command. <laughs> did you, I don't know if you could... Did you hear um, in my introduction? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, let's start with this Supreme Court ruling. Um, what, I mean, obviously, you must be extremely upset about it for a number of reasons. Why don't you tell us some of them? Well, actually, uh, we've made progress because whenever marijuana has come up before the Supreme Court before, it was unanimously struck down. And in this case, the three most conservative justices on the, or three of the, two of the most, two of the most conservative justices on the Supreme Court, Justice Thomas and Justice Rehnquist, as well as, uh, Justice O'Connor, who's often a swing voter, voted that uh, uh, medical marijuana should, when grown for non-commercial purposes, should be exempt from the from the marijuana laws, and I think that's progress. Now we only have to get two more two more justices, okay, and well, uh, either that will come or there will be changes through Congress. Okay, now Just perhaps you could give us. A bit of a summary of what this particular case in front of the Supreme Court was about. Yes, there there are two medical marijuana patients who have uh, who have been prescribed medical marijuana for uh, who have been prescribed medical marijuana. One of them, Angel Race, has inoperable brain cancer and other conditions which respond only to uh, marijuana, and it's actually kept. The uh, marijuana has kept the brain tumor from uh, spreading. And uh, there's no question of its medical efficacy in, in these instances. And they are given marijuana by suppliers who don't charge at all for it so that there's no commerce in it. Mm-hmm. So they petitioned to be exempt from the uh uh, federal marijuana laws, because the nexus of that is commerce. That uh, it, it falls under the commerce clause of the Constitution, and they said, well, since there's no commerce, and since uh, there's no sale, no money is changing hands, that uh, they should be exempt from that. And the federal government said that even though there's no commerce, even though it's intrastate rather than interstate. That it would affect the marijuana, the enforcement of the marijuana laws, so that these patients should do without. Well, now, first of all, how how did they get a regular supply of marijuana without paying for it? They they have uh, friends who uh, grew it for them uh, under the uh, California law, which states mm. that uh, a patient can have. A caregiver grow marijuana for 
party, basically. That's interesting. Yes, it, I'm. I'm actually looking at a uh, news story about this. The women were Angel Raish and Diane Monson, and they sued then Attorney General John Ashcroft. And um, it describes Raish as being an Oakland woman suffering from ailments including scoliosis, a brain tumor, chronic nausea, fatigue, and pain. And um, she smokes marijuana every few hours. She said she was partly paralyzed until she started smoking pot. Monson, an accountant who lives near Oroville, California, has degenerative spine disease and grows her own marijuana plants in her own backyard. Well, I guess she's read your books. Yeah. <laughs> That's how there's no commerce for her. Um, well, okay. What do you think? Um, I mean, I know you said that that uh, at least now there's progress in the sense that some um, justices are voting for it or not against it, but what impact do you think that this ruling is going to have? I don't think it's actually going to have a a lot of impact on the street, actually in California, because, uh, you know, when when, uh, Prop 215, which was the... Marijuana initiative was passed. Fifty-six percent uh, of the people of the state voted for it. But in, in recent polls, it has uh, ratings of seventy percent in California, and just slightly below that throughout the rest of the United States. So uh, these laws against medical marijuana are very unpopular and would be very hard to enforce. Yes, there are a lot of. Um but I mean, okay, but but yeah, what about? Um, you know, I was arrested in, in yes, February. Yes, why don't you tell us about your yeah, about yeah. your lawsuit? Yeah. In, 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 well, what happened was I was uh, appointed as an officer of the city of Oakland in uh, in uh, uh, 2000, in, uh, or in 1998, I think it was that. Uh, and I was told that I was exempt from the federal marijuana laws as an officer of the city in the same way that a narcotics officer would be exempt from the mar- from marijuana laws if they were carrying out their duty. You know, they could buy it or sell it. And, they, and they, the city attorney's office felt that I was exempt from the federal laws. And then the federal government arrested me, and they prosecuted me, and they didn't let the jury hear that I was an officer of the city or that I was supplying the uh, marijuana. Actually, I wasn't supplying finished product. I was supplying starter plants mm. so that patients could grow their own marijuana. Mm. And uh, uh, the, when the jury, uh, the jury found me guilty of uh, cultivation and associated charges. And then when uh, when they went home and found found out the whole story, Within two hours, they started calling the press and saying that they were duped, they were conned, that they felt dirty, that the that the federal government had uh, that the prosecution had misrepresented the whole case, and they repudiated their verdict. Now that didn't have a legal, uh, it, it didn't have any legal standing, but it was the first time in American history that a jury uh, uh, repudiated their verdict, and they did it within within hours, and uh, four days later, they appeared in court uh, for another hearing. The judge was very surprised to see them there and uh, 
to see to see their attitude, and uh, that's an indication of, given the whole story, how juries would go. They if uh, if they heard the whole story, and, and juries get kind of sophisticated. They understand what this is about, and when they see a medical patient or a supplier of a medical patient, especially in California, would be very doubtful that they're going to convict on, under the federal laws. Juries just won't go there. And that's already started to happen here in California. So okay, it would be very well, difficult stay, um, to actually enforce the law. Stay, stay on the line because we need to take a break. Um, and we will be right back. My guest is Ed Rosenthal. He is the uh, worldwide authority on marijuana. We're talking today about uh, the government playing doctor and our rights going up in smoke. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today. So contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about the new Supreme Court ruling uh, in which essentially the government could come and knock on your door and... um, tell you not to smoke that weed, even if you do have a doctor's prescription for it. The government is playing doctor, and our rights are going up in smoke. My guest today is Ed Rosenthal. He is a leading expert on marijuana, all aspects of it, and author of numerous books about the subject, which we will talk about. Um, Before the the break, though, we were talking about your uh, trial, which occurred in 2003, right? Uh, 2000, yes, 2003, yes. And um, so you were found guilty, and what were you sentenced to? I was uh, sentenced to only one day of time served. Uh-huh. And so you reason, had already been, you, they locked you up? Uh, the, well, when I was arrested, they had locked me up for a day and a half. Uh-huh. And uh, that was my, uh, the time that I, uh, the time served. And the reason for that was because of the tremendous community support uh, that I had both on uh, the media level, uh, activist level, and also from uh, members of the uh, city governments of San Francisco and Oakland. Because yes, it's I, was, rather... I was functioning for both of those cities. Yes, I mean, I would presume that you had uh, witnesses from the government who... Or, well, no, you said that they didn't allow that in. Well, in, the, hmm. in the pre-trial hearings, the, uh, the, the, city attor- the people from the city attorney's office of Oakland testified for me. The district attorney of San Francisco was very vociferous uh, in, in uh, efforts for me. That was Terrence Hallinan. And uh, it's very unusual when you have a, a prosecutor uh, berating the, another prosecutor. But it, the trial was very unfair. It, the judge was very prejudiced. He did not let the jury hear either that I was an officer of the city of Oakland, that I was actually uh, providing the marijuana to medical patients. And uh, then in other, there were uh, procedures during the trial that, that uh, seemed pretty unfair. We found out during the trial that the prosecutor had lied to the grand jury to get the indictment, but the judge said that there was no harm done. The, the, uh, the officer of, uh, the, uh, federal officer who, uh, uh, applied for the search warrant, it was shown that the whole search warrant was riddled with lies so that the, the judge threw out most of the search warrant and then preserved only a small part of it. And instead of realizing that this, that, uh, and didn't let us, uh, actually fight that part of it. The judge wouldn't let us subpoena a federal officer who we needed to prove that the federal authorities, uh, were both aware and had promised not to prosecute. So the trial was very unfair, and it was so unfair that the New York Times wrote two editorials uh, berating the government about it. I mean, it's not it's not usual for the New York Times to weigh in on a criminal trial, but they did in this case. But now, if the judge did 
all of these things that were uh, against you, why did he ultimately sentence you to a, a relatively light sentence? There was so much community support for my position, for me, Hmm. 
And it's and the reason why they're so opposed to medical marijuana is because they feel that that's the gateway to uh, to ultimate legalization, and they don't want to lose it. They don't care how the uh, the criminal the people involved in this, and especially the various state narcotics officers associations and the DEA. They don't care how much damage they do to American society and to individuals. They just want to keep their jobs and keep. Mm-hmm have the right to keep arresting marijuana people, even if marijuana is relatively benign uh, herb. You know that in the history of humankind, there's never been a case recorded of a person dying from the use of marijuana. If you look at the Drug Awareness Warning Network statistics, which are compiled by the federal government year after year, you look at the number of deaths from marijuana, zero. And look, the COX-2 drugs that Merck and these other companies put out cause 50,000 deaths. If they really want to uh, protect people from dangerous drugs, they should arrest some of these executives <laughs> of the companies that are putting out drugs. You know, I, I'm serious about that. You know, these uh, the, the people who put out the COX-2 drugs, they knew that those drugs were unsafe and that they knew that a certain number of people would die from taking them. So I, I'd say that's first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. And yet, these people, you know, they, they're not suffering any any uh, legal uh, stigma or anything. And, and then you have uh, the people who are supplying medical marijuana and herb that, that, you know, that has very little downside. You know, if you overdose on marijuana, what happens is you get sleepy and you decide to take a nap. And, that's, and when you wake up, you don't have a hangover or anything. And... Uh, so they, they so uh, these people are the people who supply that are subject to arrest. It, it's just uh, it's irrational. Well, what percentage of the five percent of the arrests, or the seven hundred and fifty thousand, um, are people who are using marijuana for medical purposes versus recreational? Well, probably a very small percent, a very small percentage of it. But the, but let's put it this way: there are a hundred thousand. People in prison right now for medical, for, not for medical, but for marijuana. There are 100,000 people in prison, mm-hmm. and you know, even if marijuana had some uh, uh, major detrimental effect, uh, putting people in prison for it isn't going to uh, be better for them or for society. You're taking people who are basically functional uh, and who are going to school, who are holding down jobs, who, who have families, who who are members of the community, and placing them in prison and uh, destroying their lives, destroying them professionally, uh, stopping them from getting an education. And uh, uh, wh- what good does that do to, for society? I, I, I don't see any. Well, I mean, I guess, um, I guess what a lot of people would say would be, number one, that a lot of people think of marijuana as a gateway drug to other drugs. Well, that, that just, you know, uh, there's been uh, quite a bit of research done. It's mostly sponsored by the National Institute of Mental Health and the Drug Enforcement Administration. And uh, the, the studies have always shown that the two major gateway drugs are alcohol and tobacco. And uh, certainly they're not legal for uh, for, for minors, but uh, 
but those are the drugs that minors are more likely to use. And as a parent, I know that uh, high school students are constantly being bombarded with alcohol, uh, 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 alcohol advertisements, and, and it's keg parties are very popular among high school kids. And uh, if you're talking about a dangerous drug, teenagers and alcohol are it. That, that's a danger. That that that's a very dangerous combination that causes tens of thousands of deaths a year. And if we were really concerned about uh, the health of our youth, we'd, we'd stop a lot of this thin drink, drinking that or discourage it. And uh, I, I last year I spoke um, outside of a state college. Wait, wait, I need to I need to ask you to hold that thought because we do need to take a break. We're talking today with my guest, Ed Rosenthal. He's the leading authority on marijuana. And um, we're talking about the recent Supreme Court decision and our rights going up in smoke. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today. So contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Silly, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for crust busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? 
Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the government playing doctor and our rights going up in smoke in regard to the recent Supreme Court ruling um, making it a federal offense to use marijuana even for medicinal purposes. My guest is Ed Rosenthal, a leading authority on marijuana. He has written more than a dozen books about it. His first book was The Marijuana Grower's Guide, and it's the only title about marijuana cultivation reviewed by the New York Times Book Review. And um, we'll talk about some of his other books soon on the show. Um, before the break, you were I interrupted you uh, to take the break when you were in the midst of telling us. Well, I, I, was, I gave a um, talk at a school in Illinois uh, last year, and uh, it was a state school, and it was literally, the campus was literally ringed with bars. You know, with uh, selling alcohol, mm. quite a few, quite a bit of it, probably to underage uh, undergraduates. And uh, uh, I spoke with a professor there who talked of the binge, the binge drinking that's going on in the, in the school. And it seems to me that we we do have serious drug problems, but uh, alcohol is a much is much more serious uh, danger to uh, to to kids. Than uh, marijuana could ever be. Well, you know, it's kind of ironic that um, George W. Bush has two daughters who um, are certainly alcohol abusers, if not alcoholics. And um, ironically, he is out trying to um, set up all these laws or enforce these laws um, regarding marijuana. <laughs> I mean, it would seem that he should look take care of his own family first. Well, also he has a niece who, who has actually been in rehabilitation for, uh, for hard drugs as well and alcohol. But the, the, pro, the, uh, the problem is very deep in America, and by, by concentrating on marijuana and spending all of this money on these arrests and destroying kids' lives. And let me give you an, another example of how the marijuana laws affect people. Let's say a, a kid is arrested for using marijuana and uh, has a misdemeanor, uh, uh, is convicted of a misdemeanor. That kid is then ineligible for any government aid for education for the rest of his or her life. Now, we don't have restrictions uh, uh, on uh, any other class of, um, mm. of uh, criminal. If, Robbers, rapists, burglars, uh, murderers can all get aid for education. Hmm. But if 
you smoke a joint, you're ineligible. It, that's insane. I mean, what what purpose does that serve? The, all of these laws are are very punitive and really don't help society. Well, what, in your opinion, and it's 30 years plus of opinion that you've been studying this and working in this field or trying to, um, what do you think um, are the positive, and then I'm going to ask you about the negative because I know uh, there are some negative, um, what do you think are the positive attributes of marijuana? Well, I'd like to put it this way. If If you ask people who are involved in other drugs, such as heroin, uh, tobacco, alcohol, amphetamines, um, drugs like that, whether they think that it has been a, a, a positive influence in their life and whether they recommended that a loved, per, loved one get into it, they would say, no, stay away from it. It's been terrible for my life. But when you ask people who use marijuana whether they think that it's been a positive influence in their life, most people will tell you that they felt, even if they don't use it anymore, but that, that it enhanced their life in one way or another, and they have a very positive attitude about it. And uh, that, that's very telling because, you know, people are pretty good at self-diagnosis. And uh, some of the things that marijuana does is it allows you to be, uh, to be introspective and look at things in a new way to open up uh, to open up your mind in a way, and that's why a lot of people who use it do. I think that a lot of people who think that they're using it recreationally are really using it um, as as a life enhancer or as a medicine in one way or another, just as somebody might use a a, uh, a drink after work to relax, you know, to, for st- stress relaxation. But it, it also has uh, uh, it 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 uh, and uh, Dr. Vera Rubin did a study in uh, Jamaica about 15 years ago in which she uh, looked at the morbidity rates of marijuana users, and they use a lot more there than, than here, as compared with non-marijuana users. And she found statistically that marijuana users actually live four months longer than, uh, than non-marijuana users. Now, I'll... I'll very plainly, marijuana isn't all positive. It has negative effects. Some people um, don't focus well on it. You know, you hear of the, the marijuana couch potato, right? Uh, and and uh, or the person he has lost some uh, verve or ambition. But usually, that's a temporary state. And and the, a lot of people find, or some people find that marijuana doesn't agree with them. And when they want to stop, it it, it isn't physically uh, addictive, so that they, um, they don't go through a withdrawal the way you would even with coffee or tobacco. So it does, it's not all positive, but, but it, it's something that uh, very few people voluntarily go to a rehabilitation center for marijuana. If they feel that they don't like it anymore, they just stop. And um, when you hear about the number of, uh, uh, you know, number of people uh, getting rehabilitation for marijuana, that's usually either before a court case or ordered by the courts. But the idea of rehabilitation for marijuana is considered by most people pretty ridiculous. 
Okay. Now, I'm sure you wanted to mention things like helping with pain. Well, we, we were talking about more about the recreational. Well, no, but actually, in, but in terms of medical, actually, I meant both, the medical aspects you know, of it are incredible. Wait, wait, wait. But, but to play devil's advocate for a moment in, in yeah. what you did talk about so far, um, certainly, I mean, yes, of course, it helps people relax. And in these days after 9-11 um, and the economy and various other things, certainly people are more on edge and nervous and have more anxiety than ever. And... Um, so one could argue, well, with this increasing anxiety in our population, um, maybe it's dangerous to not have stricter controls on it because everyone would like to relax more. Well, uh, you know, you could then you could say, well, the first thing you better restrict then would be alcohol because certainly more people use alcohol for relaxation than marijuana. And the f further, if, if, but and here's the situation: is that for me, let's say, uh, let's say we restricted marijuana, uh, marijuana use, and uh, people sought other things for relaxation because they're going, going to still seek, you know, uh, something for it. So then you would be sending them to alcohol. So well, there are really other positive choices like meditation or relaxation tapes or massages. That might be, but but we know that a significant number of people would would move to alcohol, and that certainly isn't a harm reduction strategy. That's a harm enhancement strategy. Yes, but but I don't and think I that like makes a very more, good case. I, I mean, just because alcohol is worse doesn't really make a great case for using marijuana. Oh yes, it does. That. Because if, mar if people are going to use something and alcohol is worse, then you would rather have them use a thing that isn't worse. But why, instance, why can't we have Let me give you an example. Them... Let's say somebody's using heroin, right? No, I'm, I'm not trying to say that they should use other drugs, but I'm saying that there are healthy alternatives, as I said, like listening to relaxation CDs, going for a walk, going for having a massage. You know, there's a whole list that one could make of, of healthy alternatives besides alcohol or heroin. Well, well, well that, that might, it might very well be that, that people could do that, but will people do that? And we have to work within a society, within the realities of a society, not within a utopian, uh, okay. oh, people could all meditate. Most people aren't going to meditate. They'd, you know, we meditate on alcohol. Do meditate. All right. Well, wait. Hold on again. We're going to be going into. I have to take a break, and then we're going to be going into our last segment. My guest today is Ed Rosenthal. We're talking about marijuana and the recent Supreme Court decision. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Gray, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound. Discuss proper obedience and training techniques. And find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with Ed Rosenthal, the uh, guru of ganja. We're talking about marijuana. And um, before I go back to my guest, and, and um, Ed, I would like to ask you about your, your book, Jeffrey's Journey, perhaps, as a way to close the show. Um, but I just want to make sure that my views uh, are clear on this, that I've clearly expressed my views. Um, first of all, I am very much against the government playing doctor, uh, as you might be able to tell from the title of the show, um, because... This is just another place where the government is encroaching on what should be the province of medical doctors uh, who know much better about the benefits of uh, marijuana to cancer patients and AIDS patients, things like helping with pain and helping with nausea. Um, and it's a very slippery slope that we have been on with this administration um, as the government has been playing doctor more and more. I guess, I guess one of the best examples recently is the Terry Schiavo case, which I've gone on about, uh, how that was an, a, an incredible tragedy that the government shouldn't have gotten involved in, that she should have been allowed to live, uh, rather than believing her husband, who may have caused her to be in that position in the first place. Um, and it's another example of our rights going up in smoke, the government trampling on rights, uh, just like we, our rights to privacy are being trampled upon um, incredibly in the name of fighting terrorism. I think some of these things, I mean, yes, we do have to take steps to fight terrorism, but we are 
losing a tremendous amount. Uh, we are giving up out of fear. The government is making us frightened on the one hand and then uh, causing us to give in to the government taking away our rights in the name of fighting terrorism. And as far as marijuana, um, I certainly think that it should be allowed for these medicinal purposes. And I can't say that I'm totally against it recreationally, except for the fact that I have seen numerous cases of people getting addicted to it, whether it's psychological or physiological addiction, and ruining their lives by becoming, as Ed called it, marijuana couch potatoes because there is, as a side effect, um, this lethargy that comes over one with chronic use. And because people are more anxious and because they're looking for things, quick fixes uh, to help them with their anxiety as the world becomes more stress-producing, then there is more of a chance that people will misuse or use too frequently, too chronically, become addicted to marijuana just like they could to alcohol or other drugs. Okay, Ed, I'll now um, let you get back in here. Well, can I ask you a question then? Yeah. Well, let's say actually very few people are affected in, in truly negative ways by marijuana where they become couch potatoes. Sometimes well, I don't have a, 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 a statistic to tell you, but I can tell you that in my psychiatric this, practice. Here's my question. So even if that's so, do you think that it does them good to criminalize them and make them no, criminal? No, no. One thing is no. I don't agree with the government getting involved um, in this way. That doesn't make that right, No. No, I'm not suggesting that people should use marijuana. I'm not suggesting that it's a, you know, the greatest thing in the world for, for everybody. But what I am saying is that people shouldn't go to jail for it. It's just it, it's yes. crazy. It's, it harms society much more than it helps it. Yes, Whenever, well, I... With any law, I'm sure you'll agree that we should weigh the, any yes. good or harm that the, uh, that the behavior that that we're trying to regulate does to the be, to the good or harm of the law. And if you judge, you know, if you weigh the marijuana laws against the, the good or harm of the marijuana laws against the good or harm of marijuana, the marijuana laws are much worse to society and to the individual from from any level than uh, than marijuana could ever be. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have laws to regulate marijuana, but we should do it in a civil civil uh, use civil regulation much the way that we have, we've been doing with tobacco. Mm -hmm. And look at, look, look at what's happened with tobacco. tobacco. Using civil regulation, tobacco use has gone down to near 20% from 50%. But at the same time, marijuana use has gone way up. So obviously civil regulation works better than criminal regulation. So if we want to really regulate marijuana and guide people to a healthier way of living, we should use civil regulation to do it. Yes, I agree, and not only that, but um, it should there should be more of a distinction made between marijuana prescribed by doctors and that which is used purely for recreational use. Um, we only have a few minutes left, but I thought maybe you could end on telling us sort of a synopsis of Jeffrey's Journey, um, a book that you wrote and um, which you described as um, being, how did you, wait a minute, well, one well, of the me, reasons why you continue the, the good fight. Yeah, uh, actually, I didn't write the book. The book was written by uh, Jeffrey's mother and uh -huh. his grandmother. Okay. And, 
It's about a young boy. He was seven years old, but from the time that he was born, he had ADHD and rage and hypersensitivity and was a very difficult child, so difficult that by the time he was seven years old, he had gone through a plethora of, uh, uh, of um, pharmaceutical drugs to try and control his behavior to no avail, and the state was going to take him from his mother. Mm-hmm. His mother was a fundamentalist Christian in California who voted against Prop 215, the medical marijuana initiative. And what happened with him was he was uh, uh, given that. So she, in, in, in desperation, she... In desperation, the mother went to uh, uh, WAM, the Women's Alliance for Medical Marijuana, which is a totally non, not only non-profit, there's no money involved, it's a, it's a working collective. And uh, a doctor that they recommended prescribed, prescribed marijuana for him, and he... Uh, and what happened was uh, within half an hour of taking... A marijuana brownie. He he said that he felt uh, better. That he the noise in his brain had stopped. That he wasn't angry. That he felt happy. And that he started joking with his mother for the first time in his life. Hmm. And uh, he this helped him for two years. And then uh, Wham was raided by the federal government, and he lost access to the medicine. Hmm. And. and uh, uh, now he, uh, I'm going to, I know that there's limited time, so in the, now, um, he is back at home with his, he's at home with his mother, he's going to public school, he's gone through, he's, he feels that marijuana helped to make the transition where he could start changing his life, but without that he would never have been able to, uh, so he's not taking it anymore, but he took it for a while, and that allowed him to to make this transition. That's right. That's very interesting. Well, why don't you give us um, some websites of yours where people can go to read more about you and, and um, your experiences and, and about your books? Well, first of all, they could just Google my name, Ed Rosenthal, and they get a lot of uh, a lot of hints. And they uh, the organization that I'm particularly associated with is. Green Aid, which is uh, on the net, it's www.green-aid.com, and they and uh, also for if they want to look at information, they could go to Marijuana Policy Project, or they could just uh, put in uh, medical marijuana on Google, and they'll get a lot of sites. And, and then also, and your, once again, your I want to reiterate that I'm not suggesting that everybody should go out and use marijuana. What I'm saying is that people shouldn't go to jail for it. Mm-hmm. And however we look at marijuana, the, the the criminal penalties are much worse worse for both the individual and the society than marijuana is. Mm-hmm. And if we, it, I, I think that we should have a harm reduction strategy with all drugs, not only marijuana, but with all drugs. So that so that we look towards people's health rather than towards arresting them and prosecuting them. Yes, well, I I can't uh, I agree with that. Um, also, there's another website where people can look at your books, the quick www.quicktrading.com. Yes. Yes. 
Well, this has been very fascinating and uh, certainly a controversial subject. And um, it's interesting that you look at this verdict as a positive one in the sense that at least some of the people are coming over to the um, right side or the right <laughs> or the proper side, the correct side. You wouldn't um, think that it was those, the, right the right-wingers, though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All we have to get is some progressives to understand the issue. Right, right. And uh, not just to paint all marijuana with a broad stroke, mainly out of fear that uh, our country is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> well, you know, 70% of Americans, of voting Americans, think that medical marijuana should be legal. Yes. And more than 50% of Americans think that people shouldn't go to prison or to jail for using marijuana. So yes, we'll, and now the, so government the government has to listen really to the people time. rather than the other way around. Yeah. Thank you very much, my guest, Ed Rosenthal. Do check out his websites and, uh, and look into this issue a little further. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and we've been talking today about marijuana, the Supreme Court decision, the government playing doctor, and our rights going up in smoke. So tune in next week as we tackle another um, controversial topic, no doubt. And I'm your psychiatrist. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.